Bugs, 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 bugs. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about books, baby. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby. I'm Lindsay <laughs> and I'm Kayla. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for today. <laughs> so we have to talk about some excitement um, because Kayla is going to be continuing the after adventure. So she's going to be talking about after we collided. I'm very excited about that. What are you doing this week? So I was going to do the Starless Sea. Mm-hmm. But then I changed my mind and I want to talk about Beach Read. I am going to say the reason that I don't want to talk about Star- the Starless Sea, there's a couple reasons. And I want to tell everybody why, because I think it was a great book. It is one of those books that cannot be explained. She mm-hmm. creates this beautiful, beautiful world for book lovers, that there is this wow. underground world Every corner has a place where you could read and there's bookshelves and everything is uh, is centered around stories. And it was basically like book lovers porn. It was so beautiful. However, it was written a little choppy where she goes back and forth. And of course, this is just like the world building between stories, like short stories, and then like the central story. And so it was a little bit jarring, but of course that's how she creates this beautiful, she interweaves everything to create this beautiful world. I did feel like the ending fell flat, but if you are a book lover, this book is for you. And a hundred percent, you should read it if only for this magical, beautiful underground world. It's like Hogwarts, but for book lovers. (laughs) I love that. Like I've literally had dreams about finding a door and going to this underground world of like where you just walk and it's just lined with bookshelves and and your room is perfectly made just for your preferences with, you know, a fireplace. And it was just, it was beautiful. And I highly recommend reading it. I ended up, I gave it four stars. I was kind of teetering on three or four. I gave it four because I loved the concept and the world, but the ending did fall flat for me. So that's my only... That was that would be my only warning, but to me, it's not about the plot; it's about the world. So, sure. highly recommend. That's why I'm not talking about it today. I mean, I know I just talked for a while about it, but I'm not going into detail about it because I think, as a reader, you should read the book. And now I want to talk about something else. So, totally. All right, Sam. Let's get started. My book is the sequel in the After series. It is After We Collided. Thick-ass book. No, dude, they get so thick. The third one is 800 and something pages. Like, phenomenally. That's like more than Harry Potter. Girl, right? <laughs> the fans of this are just insane. I just love the fans. So this one has 671 pages. It sounds like a lot. But I read all four books 2,055 pages in two and a half weeks. I could not put them down. So basically, After We Collided picks up right where After left off. At the end of After, the secret was that... So, crazy amount of money. 
scumbag. So this book, it actually picks up from his point of view, which is new because the entire first book was from Tessa's point of view. But then this one, it does switch back and forth between Harden and Tessa. So it picks up where throw them out, but he actually put them in his car and he actually also took I know. So when she leaves Harden through the book, Harden was getting really jealous because she was flirting with this other guy. The book starts off with her actually talking to him and he basically explains to her fucking asshole. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, she's definitely feeling betrayed in every way, shape and form. She is feeling betrayed because of this secret that came out at the very end. Tessa goes to her mom. She's upset about this thing that happened. She is trying to kind of figure out what to do next. But she continues on with her plans to work at this publishing company. Anyway, she goes on a work trip with the publishing company, which Harden did help her get that job, by the way. So it's kind of an awkward situation for her because she's like, well, Harden helped me get this job, but like, it's my job. And while on the trip, she drunk dials Harden. <laughs> and then he comes. And when he gets there, does he come? He actually does. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. So she basically says, and I will say it in the most PG way I can. She basically says, you either sleep with me or you leave. You decide. Which I'm not ruining too much because that's also in the trailer. You have to watch the trailer. Super steamy. They they do that whole thing. But when she wakes up, she's like, I'm still pissed at you. So no. They do sleep together then. He does. Yes, they do. You are not wrong. He does. <laughs> so then she goes back home and everything. And she's like, look, like I need to go get my crap from our apartment. So she waits until she thinks that he would be gone. And when she goes there to pick up all of her stuff, this is around Christmas time. Harden actually walks in with his mom. And he has not told his mom that they've broken up. Or Mom's that he's like, a dick. Or that he's a dick. So then the mom, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm so happy to meet you. Oh, my God. I've heard so much about you. And so he's like, I haven't told her yet. Please don't tell her. And so she's like, all right, like, I won't tell her this time. But I can't really stay. But then the mom, she's, you know, moms are pushy, you know. And so the mom's like, please, please stay for a little bit, please. So Tessa, I think, stays like one or two nights. Anyways, Tessa goes home. And after she goes home with to see her mom, her mom does the thing that her mom always does, which is she ruins the moment. Someone happens to tell Tessa that her dad, who left them when she was younger, he's back in town and she's upset. And so what she does is she runs straight to the arms of Harden. And the open dick of Harden. No, actually she doesn't. That, that she does not do. But she does run to his open arms. And so she tells him, like, I'll continue putting on this show for you and your mom. And as time progresses, she starts to open up to Harden's mom that, you know, tells her a little bit about, not really tells her what happened, but like, oh, Harden lied to me and, and I just, I don't know if I can trust him. And the mom's actually very much on her side. The mom is very, a very cool, chill mom. And so eventually Tessa does start to kind of forgive Harden because he is so much more emotional in this book, which is to any guys listening it is such a turn on when guys can show their emotion. To me, at least. Yeah, to me, 100%. If a guy, yeah, if a guy can show his emotion, like, oh my God, my heart. So basically, Harden just cries to her. is like, please go. I want you to go because I can't keep doing this. I can't keep pretending that we're perfect when we're not. 
But then she's like, we're supposed to be working on us. And then it's like, okay, they get back together, basically. For In the first book, it was a lot of back and forth, breaking up, back together. <sighs> this right? whole thing. Yes, this whole book is very tumultuous. It's very back and forth. It's just this incredible saga of, and I'm not even talking about a book saga. I'm talking about a saga of breaking up, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. It's like, damn. But you just can't put it down. And so then... Her mom does come and she's very mad that Tessa never came back and that she ran back to Harden and she's the bomb that I told you about, you know, uh, what Harden did. And then his mom says, not again. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And so basically she drops the bomb that being distributed. That is the person we are dealing with. Lindsay, that is him. Hold on a minute. Because I'm, I know, obviously know nothing about this, but based off of what I'm seeing on Instagram of all the people who are like obsessed with these books, they're obsessed with Harden. Why? He is a, a dick. He's a dick and a half, actually. We don't want to give him that much credit, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, understandably so. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that Harden... (laughs) <laughs> and I, I sound like the trailer. Harden's complicated. He's a total dick. I mean, he he has done some terrible things. I don't know why. He's just brooding and sexy. That's why girls like him. I think that that's why the second book is kind of my favorite is because he shows his emotion more. And while the relationship is very tumultuous, he does kind of admit his faults a little more like when he does something wrong he's like I'm so sorry I did this not an excuse no no yes it's not an excuse but I don't know what it is about him I it's just one of those things where you're like I don't know why I love this guy that's uh, that's actually funny because I'm not that I'm judging but I'm a little judging because he is a dick and he's completely terrible to women you know whatever like that's all like that's all bad understandably so but I have these same feelings about Joe from you yeah yeah where I was reading the book you and and the second book hidden bodies and even watching the show and being like oh my god I love him but he's killing people he is a murderer he's a stalker he is literally doing these terrible things and I'm still so obsessed with him and so it's it's funny that and this is me just needing to change my perspective I'm judging after and the obsession with Harden because it's a chick flick novel uh, you know a typical romance with all these romance tropes and whatever but I do the same exact thing with another terrible character but in a book that's more accepted as being you know what I mean like it's a thriller it's a it's an adult book or whatever and it's just interesting because it really it's all about changing your perspective and how you just have to think about things as a whole and not based off of certain elements of the book and judging it based on that. So I apologize to no. everyone who I sat here. I sat here judging for a little bit about why you liked Harden when I do the same exact thing with Joe Goldberg. So <laughs> my that, bad. I don't know what it is about Harden. 
I, I think that he starts showing his vulnerable side. And I think that that's kind of why I love him. Like, I mean, I think that also it does come kind of come hand in hand with, you know, there's a girl who wants to change a guy. We all want to change him, you know, and so we think we're the one who can change him. And so I think that it kind of is the same thing. It's like you want what you can't have, which is this guy who's sitting there like willing to change for you, which we will get to that. She actually does end up forgiving him because he he writes her a letter explaining every bad thing that he's done. And she's like, okay, wow, this is a lot. So then everything is all fine and dandy. But then after a few missteps uh, around New Year's, which I won't get into, but ar- around that time, things kind of get a, b- a bit more rocky. His jealousy kind of comes to a head when he hears her say, the guy who drove her off at the end of the first book, he hears her say his name in her dreams. And he gets super jealous. So goes to a bar, gets drunk, uh, goes home with a girl. But the thing is, he doesn't sleep with her. He only goes home with her because he passed out. And she's like, well, he can't stay here. So she brought him to her place in her car. And he slept like on the floor or something. Again, sleeping on the floor. floor. (laughs) (laughs) So then he's like, oh, crap. And so when Tess finds out about this, it's like, we're done. We're done. Done, done. And that is what the After We Collided fans like to call the nine days. So these chapters are so well written and I love them so much because what ends up happening is it is a nine day period of time where the two of them have broken up and Anna Todd writes them so well because basically it's like, here's a chapter on Tessa, here's a chapter on Harden, here's a chapter chapter on Tessa, here's a chapter on Harden, and it tells you what day it is and how they're doing. So essentially, Tessa is a wreck, like terrible wreck. Harden, he's not a wreck, but at first he's like, whatever, it's fine, I don't care. Like, And he goes to England because he's from England. Also, <laughs> that's part of his appeal, he's from England. Okay, um, I, wait, hold on. I don't think you ever mentioned that. Oh, I'm so sorry. He's from England. Okay, so he has a British accent this whole time. I'm thinking he's some dumbass frat boy from America. No, yeah, he's British. It changes so much. So he goes to back to England to see his mom and to stay with her. And Tessa stays in the U.S. And she is having just the roughest time. She's completely torn apart. She's devastated. She is actually best friends with Harden's stepbrother. Landon and Landon's really there for her which is really sweet he's always there for her he takes Tessa's side every time and Harden is just you know living his life over in England whatever for those nine days but the interesting thing is Tessa every single day she gets stronger and stronger and stronger so the it illustrates her every day crying, crying, crying. And then one day she's like, she didn't cry. She was sad, but she didn't cry. And then by the end of the nine days, she's like, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can be better. And at first she was calling him. She was texting him. She was like, please, I, I want to talk to you, whatever. And then he wasn't getting back to her. So eventually she stopped. And then Harden, he's sitting there in England being like, oh, I'm great. I'm fine. Like, she'll come crawling back, all this stuff. But then the thing is, she starts calling him and he keeps seeing her face and he keeps looking at their pictures together. And he is just devastated and he starts getting worse and worse and worse. And then Tessa, eventually she stops calling and he's devastated because he's like, 
she doesn't care anymore. And then he breaks his phone. And then he realizes, I can't be without her. So he goes back. So that's the end of the nine days. But he gets so bad. And it's it's just so well written how the two chapters just run parallel to each other. Again, I love a strong female character, which I loved how she got stronger. Because she, she might seem kind of weak at times. But then you see like, that's the strength of a woman. They can be strong. Anyways, when he comes back, he begs for her to come back and she says no, which again, love you. <laughs> love you, Tessa. But she does kind of start turning her attention to the guy who gave her the ride home and all this stuff. She starts turning her attention to him. And so I think that Harden starts seeing that. He starts seeing that he has to show that he can be the guy she needs him to be. So he starts kind of trying to change his facade, his appearance and everything. He has tons of tattoos. He has tons of piercings. He takes his piercings out, tries to cover his tattoos up because he wants her to see that he can change. He takes her on a cute date and they're like, look, like we're basically going to start from scratch. Let's go on a regular date. Let's not have sex afterwards. That kind of thing. Thank God. You know, it's a little bit of time where their things aren't crazy. They do that. They think everything is getting better. And it turns out there is a, a minor slip up on, on uh, Harden's part. But actually, it's not even Harden's fault. It's his birthday. And Tessa gets a text message saying like, hey, he's like, this party's lame. Can I come hang out with you? And she's actually staying at this point at his parents' house because they love her. And she's like, okay, sure. I would love that. And so she's really excited, goes downstairs, makes him a cake and everything. And he never shows up. Then, yeah, never shows up. But then it switches to Harden's point of view. And the guy who's been flirting with her and stuff, he actually walks up to him and goes, hey, here's your phone. They, they imply, I will say they imply that he was the one who sent the text message. Got That's it. the implication. And so, and Tessa's pissed, of course, rightfully so. So a lot of stuff goes on, a lot of back and forth. In the end, they do end up back together, happy. But this book leaves you on another cliffhanger. Anna Todd is like the queen of cliffhangers. I will tell you that right now. I don't understand how she does it, but she does the damn thing. Uh, Also, another thing that she found out was the secret in the first book. She actually found out from Zed, which is the, the, the other guy. She finds out that actually... Okay. And at one point at the end of the book, kind of see that Zed is still kind of causing problems between Harden and Tessa. And he wants Tessa to text him back. And he's like, can we talk, please? Because they were actually getting really close. When her and Harden were broken up, him and her were like, they slept in the same bed together. And they hung out. I think they tried, they kissed once and nothing really came of it. At one point, I think that Harden actually drags her out of his bed. He does that kind of thing. Like, it's toxic, but I'm like, hey, you know what? He knew what he wanted. But it's like, it's your fault, Harden. You know, it's your fault she was in that bed anyways. But then towards the end, you know, she definitely does sever ties with Zed. And then what happens is Harden attacks Zed and ends up breaking his nose. But he does it on school campus, gets arrested. And Tessa's like, crap, what are we going to do? You know, because um, he could get expelled. And they're they're not really sure if he's going to get expelled or not. You know, she goes to Zed and asks him, to not press charges. And she says, you know, you have to understand, like, 
he found out that we kissed and like, you know, all this stuff. And, and, you know, you've been antagonizing him. Please don't press charges. So the book ends in almost like an, and not really an epilogue, but kind of an epilogue. Harden's getting another tattoo and she has this uh, secret looming, which is said yes. And so that's kind of where the book ends. But like I said, ends on a huge cliffhanger, which is reeks of alcohol. <gasps> and that's how it ends. That's how it ends. Crazy. That's how it ends. So yeah, the thing that I just freaking love about this book is like, yes, it's a very horrible relationship, kind of toxic. But the thing I like is that I you do see Harden changing. It's it's subtle changes, but you do see him changing. And their relationship is one of those things where it's like they can't be away from each other. And and which is which is toxic in ways, but I think that's why I actually really like the end of the series is because there's there's so much that goes on and I think that throughout the book series they do grow as characters. So it's nice to see those little changes. It sounds problematic (laughs) and toxic. But again, I can't judge because of other things that I love too. So I think that it's also just that perception of, I want to call them the Twilight people, (laughs) that I never was. And so I think that there's this... Wall? (laughs) Yeah, this wall that kind of like blocks me from understanding the obsession but I do understand it because I also love some problematic characters as well so it sounds like a very drama-filled series which I mean I love a good cliffhanger too I love a good series that like makes you want to keep reading so I I understand why people yes but yeah very well done Again, there are some grammar things, but like this book has so many great characters, some some characters that you just hate. I think that Anna Todd does a really good job of giving you some characters where there is a gray area. Zed, for one, because you're like, she doesn't deserve to be treated the way Harden's treating her, but I feel like Harden is the one she's meant to be with. But Zed treats her so nicely, but you can also tell that there's not the passion there. That's kind of like uh, to all the boys I love before with Peter and, and John, John Ambrose. Ambrose because we're like oh my god John Ambrose that's perfect but there's not that passion there there's not not that spark and obviously exactly. Peter's doing some questionable things too obviously not as questionable as Harden is doing so it's very interesting because it's kind of the same um there's a parallel there oh for sure I I recommend the entire series I do recommend it to for the what to do and what not to do's in relationships but also just because it's it's I couldn't put it down, and I think that you won't be able to either. So Beach Read by Emily Henry is probably one of my favorite books this year. I know I say this. I just kind of like everything, and I'm trying to be a little bit more critical about what I read. So this year I am being a little bit more why I'm rating a book a certain thing and, and kind of giving it a little bit more depth to my thoughts on it. But, like, I can legitimately say that this book is one of my top reads this year. It was kind of exactly what I needed. So it's called Beach Read, and you definitely expect a light romance, something that you can read on the beach, and you'll just be like, ooh. I do think that it is mistitled. They are tricking you. It is not as light and as romantic as you would assume it would be, but I like that. there. It's romance with depth 
to it. Good depth and I just think that that's important. So the book is about two writers, January and Augustus. And that's on purpose that they both have month name. So she's January. They call him Gus. And they were actually rivals in college. They were in like a writing class and she writes light romance, you know, the kind of romance books that have like the hulking guy on the cover holding the girl, you know, those kind of romance books. Like after. (laughs) (laughs) And he writes legit literary fiction. And so they're on these opposite genre spectrums. And I feel like this book kind of combines the two genres. I I mean, I would call it a romance book. I definitely would call it a romance book. But like I said, with that extra depth, it definitely has a heavier feel to it. So they were college rivals because he had made a comment in one of their creative writing classes about how it's easy to write romance books. You're always giving your characters happily ever afters and whatnot. And so she kind of like snubbed him and was like, no. But we learn later that kind of at the same time, he was kind of like really fucking into her and really wasn't kind of showing it in the right way. But of course they were in college. He was like dating someone else. And it was a lot of like just college life. Fast forward a lot of years and she is coming to her dad's beach house. Her dad has passed away and he has given her this beach house. And at her dad's funeral, this is kind of where it gets heavy, she learns that her dad had a mistress the last like 10 or 15 years. And this beach house was the house that he owned with his mistress. And so she arrives and she is just broken up about it. Because her whole life is based on this romance, you know, that everything in life is happily ever after. And then she learns that her own father had been cheating on her mom for so long and that they had almost broken up at some point, but they stayed together and just all this crazy stuff. So she has major, major, major writer's block. And she comes to the beach house basically because in three months, her publisher needs another book. And she hasn't written a damn word. She is just completely constipated. (laughs) So she comes into this house and basically is just overwhelmed with this thought of her dad cheating on her mom and basically will not go in the master bedroom, is refusing to clean up the house. And that her purpose of going there was to one, to write the book and two, to clean up the house and sell it and keep the profits or whatever. She also had broken up with a a longtime boyfriend that she thought she was kind of going to be with forever. And so she's just kind of in this bad place. But the, the main source of her anxiety and distraught is learning about her dad's secrets. She learns that her next door neighbor is Gus, her college rival. You know, oh, what a coincidence, but yeah, you see where this is going. So he's in the house next door. And they come together and both admit that they are in this bit of a block. So they come up with this competition that they switch genres. January is going to write some deep literary fiction. And Gus is going to write a light romance book. And as they are writing, they're going to kind of teach each other about the genre. So January takes him to the beach and to the carnival and is like, this is what your main character should do, you know, like things like that. And Gus, he was originally what he wanted to write about was a 
cult. And so he takes her on these interviews with former cult members. And it's just, it's very, very interesting. I, I love this book because obviously the main plot is January and Gus writing their books, but we also kind of get this interesting mix of like this element of the cults of them talking to these people. And we see these conversations and then also she's at the carnival and it's like, give me a teddy bear. And you know, the, the whole typical romance thing. So we get kind of a mix of it all. That's what really makes this book so good is because it kind of doesn't stick to one genre either, just like January and Gus are kind of flipping genres as well. The competition is whoever's book gets bought first, the other person has to endorse the book and give it a blurb and basically like promote it for the other person, right? Which in January's case, having Gus, who has written these deep literary, you know, the great American novel type books, that's a big deal for her to have his endorsement on one of her books. This is from January's perspective and she's just like, I'm gonna win this thing because I need that. And so that kind of helps with her block. As they're writing and as they kind of start to get closer and closer, Gus is, you know, he's giving, but then he like steps back and, and is not really fully committing to like being with her. And it's, the way it's written is very good because it's not like this sexual tension. It's very quick and like they clearly have had they were kind of into each other in college obviously so they have that backstory but then he gets close and they're like making out at the drive-in movie theater the lady who works there is like banging on their car like stop making out at the drive-in you need to leave kind of a thing and so there's these moments that kind of get stopped and then Gus kind of uh, retreats into a shell again and January learns that which is absolutely shocking to her because She's a little hurt that he had kept that from her. Eventually, we learn that he ultimately we do get a happily ever after. There is this great part where she finds letters that her dad had written to her every birthday. She finds these letters. She kind of starts to understand her dad and obviously not to forgive his decisions and cheating on her mom, but like she finally kind of understands his side of the story and can kind of let go of her animosity and her resentment towards him. I thought that that was beautiful because it's so hard to think, okay, if someone that you love died and then you find out this terrible thing about them, they aren't able to defend themselves in any way. And that's so hard and that's tough. And so these letters kind of made it come full circle and kind of closed the loop on that for her so that she could kind of let go of everything and move on. And ultimately, it was just, it was such a beautiful book. And there's, there's some sexy scenes too where you're like, okay, get it girl. Too. And so I like that because it, it gave us the romance that makes it this light beach read, but then there's also so much depth that really makes you think and really makes you appreciate the characters a little bit more. And that was just something that when I picked it up and I looked at the cover, I was not expecting it whatsoever. It is literally such a beautiful book and it is officially today a New York Times bestselling book. It has like one of the highest ratings on Goodreads that I've ever seen. The average is 4.2 stars on Goodreads. And that's like really fucking high. So I was like, really? yeah, I was really impressed because you look at the cover and you look at the synopsis and you don't expect it. That's what makes it so good is that it is an unexpectedly really good read. And so that is Beach Read by Emily Henry. 
I do think she should have named it something different, but I fucking loved it. So the thing that really strikes me about that is that, you know, when you're younger and you pick up a book, we want romance. We want these really sweet, uplifting love stories because when we're young, that's what we want. We want to have a happily ever after. We still have, I think, the hope that we will have the picture-perfect romance. I think once you get older, that's when we get into books that have not necessarily happy endings, but like endings where we're like, that's realistic. And I think that the way you describe this book, it almost reminds me of those books that we used to read when we were in high school or when we were in middle school, whatever. It reminds me of those because it's really all about like, happily ever after, having hope in the future, getting over some sort of bad time, and then having a happily ever after. And I think that a a lot of books that we have nowadays, they don't have that. You know, they don't. It it combines both that happily ever after while also being very real and serious. And like, this is what people go through. And it doesn't have to be a shitty ending because of that. You can get through it and have hope that it'll be okay. I do tend to like kind of those deeper literary fiction where it's like it's not all happily ever after because I I have come to the realization that life isn't a happily ever after, that it doesn't work out for some people. And that's what makes it a good, I don't want to say light read, but a a good one to read in between those heavier books because it combines that the heavy element and that the depth of these characters and what they're going through while also giving us what we want. And so I really appreciate that. I mean, you know me, I'm, I've been very cynical lately about everything and I'm like, they don't deserve their happily ever after. Like I just, I don't want them to, because that's just kind of what I've, what I've been liking recently that I like these deep books that kind of are devastating because it's real life because things don't always work out perfectly but this was a really good middle ground because I have been giving myself a lot of anxiety so I'm so different because I'm like I know that there's not necessarily happily ever afters in real life which is why I'm like you know what I need a happily ever after in my book you want to escape into the book exactly I want to know that there is a happy ending at the end of the tunnel because also like I do think that life can give you happily ever afters, but it depends on what your happily ever after is. It's like when women say, I don't have to be a mother to have a happy ending. I don't have to be a CEO to be successful. It's really the same thing. It's like, look, like I can have a happily ever after even if I'm alone. Everybody everybody wants different things too. And so everybody's idea of happily ever after isn't the same. And so for some people reading a book where the happily ever after is that they don't get married, but they're just happy. Or the happily ever after is they do get married. So there's these differences, but that's because everybody's different in what they want and what they dream of and what they believe is a true happily ever after. And that's that's important, you know? And I think that that's why we have we bring these different perspectives to our books you know when we were talking about the hunger games and i'm like i didn't want them to get married and have two kids and a dog but you're like yes give me it and that's it's good that we have those varying perspectives because that's how people also read these books people read books differently and see different things than other people do and so i hope that that's what this podcast kind of brings to others and you know if you don't agree with us let us know i want to hear 
your perspective and why you disagree because maybe you could change my mind and that might have just been something that I didn't see before. So truly. And even with the after series, people are always talking about how toxic it is, how uh, manipulative Harden is and all this stuff. And while I can't disagree, like, of course, you know, I, I agree with a lot of those things, but I think that it's still okay for us to have different perspectives. You know, yeah, I like the book, but that's not like, it's not like I'm sitting there condoning abusive relationships. You know, there are elements that I like and there are elements that I take away, like never get in a relationship with someone like this, you know? So we do see different things. You know, there are people who are going to hate it and they're not going to be able to get past the fact that it is kind of slightly abusive relationship or abusive in terms of like manipulation and stuff like that. Um, Problematic. Thank you. Yeah. Problematic. Yeah. But but then there are other people who, like me, are like, oh, my God, my heart. Right. You know? <laughs> and and that's the beautiful things about books is that yeah. you read it and you take out of it what you want and then you move on to the next book. Well, and also you could end up picking the book up in 10 years. You could read after in 10 years and have a completely different perspective on it because you've grown as a person. Things have changed in your life and you pick it up and it's not the same book that you read now, which is kind of what happened to me with The Hunger Games too, is I read it from a completely different perspective. I had different thoughts on the characters and what they were doing and their actions now than I did when I was 15 and read it, you know? So it's important, I think, that we reread the books that we love as we grow. And that's why I buy all my books, because if I love it, I'm going to reread it. Rereading Harry Potter, you notice things that you didn't notice the first time and Mm -hmm. pick up on things and you're like, oh, I maybe have an issue with this specific thing or, oh, I didn't notice that. That's great. And I think that that's what's so great about books is they can kind of grow with you and you can read a book for the first time again when you come at it from a different perspective and a different place in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. It, that reminds me a lot of movies where I watch a movie and like when I was a kid, I was like, oh my God, that looks amazing. Oh my gosh, that's cool. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh God, that's so unsanitary. God, she must've been so cold. Why? Why is she wearing that in the middle of October? That you say that actually, because so I follow this Instagram account and I think that you, you would like this. I don't know why I haven't recommended it to you. The Instagram is princesses and petticoats. Check it out. She does these elimination games on dresses. So there was a wedding one. There was a morning dress one, and now we're on coronation dresses. And the one that just got eliminated was Lucy's coronation dress from the Narnia movie. Kind of sad about it, but like obviously compared to the other more adult coronation dresses, like obviously we're going to knock her out early. But it's funny because when I was a kid, I wanted to be Lucy and I was obsessed with that dress that she's wearing. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be Lucy. I want to go to Narnia. I want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But now as an adult, I'm like, oh, well, she's a little kid. She's like, you know, eight years old or whatever. And so it's it's funny because like you said, you come at it as an adult and you're like, why did I ever think that? But it was because you were a kid and that's, there are different perspectives when you're a little person and then, you know, you become an adult and it's just a completely different movie or thought or book or whatever. Yeah, yeah you're like, that has no shape to it. It's like, well, she's 10 years old. It shouldn't have shape. <laughs> right, exactly. God, I'm going to follow them right now. I hope you yeah. understand that. I literally, yeah. every morning I look forward to, voting on the next round so she eliminates two every day but Uh you vote so she puts all the dresses in the comments 
and you vote on your least favorite. The one with the most likes on the comment is the one that's going to get voted out at the next point. And so you, you're going through all the dresses and you're like, you kind of start thinking of the numbers. You're like, oh, I don't like nine. I don't like 20. And then you go back through and you're like, okay, I'm going to vote for nine that time because I want nine to be gone. It's so fun. Like it's just become something that I've looked forward to. I think shout out to Katie of Princesses and Petticoats. You have made my quarantine very exciting. And I don't know what I'm going to do when you run out of elimination games. You're going to have to do them all over again. All right, you guys. Well, that's it. It's been another week. It's been another book. And we're so glad that you guys are still here and hanging out with us, especially during these times in quarantine. Because honestly, I don't know what I would do without books during this time in quarantine. I don't know what I'd do. Well, thank you for joining us. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Bye. Bye.